and welcome to the Think MHK podcast presented by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. On this podcast, you will hear about a variety of local matters pertaining to the business community. You also hear from local business owners to hear their story and gain valuable business insights. Thanks for tuning in today. We have a great guest with us today on the Think MHK podcast. Vern Hendricks with the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation as our guest. Hey, Vern. Well, hello. This is, uh, this is a pleasure. Thank you. Well, I've wanted to get you on for a while. It feels like we should have made this happen sooner since we actually record here at the at AstraCast Studios. It's, it's been a couple of years in our third season, but thank you for finally making time to join us. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, anything uh, we could do to help the community of Manhattan, that's what we're here for. Well, we always try to find out a little more about the individual. So we'll talk about the Community Foundation here in a minute. But before we we do that. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you ended up in Manhattan. Well, that's uh, probably a fairly long story, but uh, we, have, a, we have time. <laughs> uh, in any event, uh, I grew up not far from here, 45 miles in a small rural community called Woodbine, Kansas. I uh, uh, came to Kansas State University after going to Dodge City Community College. Uh, athletics was a big pull, pull in my area. Dodge City gave me a chance to play a couple sports before I came here to K-State and played uh, baseball. You know, at that point in time, I kind of moved around, uh, went out to Hayes to coach baseball there and California to be an uh, associate athletic director at university and the University of Pittsburgh to raise money for the uh, School of Engineering uh, after being recruited by athletics. Uh, that took me to Iowa State to raise money for engineering, which uh, brought me back to Kansas State to uh, help put the development team together here at the K-State Foundation. From there, uh, ventured over to the Christian College. They wanted to start a baseball program, and uh, then in 2013, I came to the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Talk about what attracted you to the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation. Well, really, it was an opportunity. All my life, I've enjoyed raising money and investing money and giving it away. And uh, uh, through the efforts of the Community Foundation, we kind of do all three here. And uh, and really, it was uh, an organization that I knew a little bit about when I was at the K-State Foundation. The uh, Greater Manhattan Community Foundation was just getting started. Of course, at that time, it was just the Manhattan Community Foundation. And uh, so I knew a little bit about it, and uh, and I'd had some experiences working with them as an as a citizen of Manhattan. And uh, when I was approached about uh, taking over this leadership role, I knew the knew the areas that were being missed and uh, the opportunities that it actually had in working with philanthropists. And so it was a relatively easy decision for me to make at that time. So, and what year was that? That was 2013. I started in February of 13. So I just just uh, finished 10 years. I, I was I remember when you. At the uh, annual meeting this year, they gave you your tenure, uh, uh, I guess, plaque and, <laughs> and gift. And so that was that was nice. That was special. So um, talk about, you said you're at the University Foundation when the, when the Manhattan Foundation started. But talk about, it's a relatively young community foundation. Talk about the history of the organization. And It is. Uh, in 1999, March of 99, uh, the community foundation discussion really got started in a formal way. And, uh, and so we're in our 25th anniversary year right now. Um, and the community foundation world is uh, is relatively new and still in the eyes of many people. Uh, typically, it's known in bigger cities. And in Kansas, we have a lot of community foundations, more than 100, uh, but probably only a third of them actually have a paid staff. A lot of them fall under what they call an affiliate model. We call ours a partner model here. And, um, and so... You know, it's a it's a new endeavor, and ironically, I'm the only one that leads a foundation 
that actually came from the philanthropic leadership uh, style. A lot of them were community leaders before they got involved in the community foundations. And uh, uh, so I'm excited to say that we are the largest community foundation in Kansas right now. And and I think a lot of it's just the uh, uh, kind of the proactive, reactive uh, style that we have. So, And when you say largest, largest by endowment? Largest by assets. Let's dive into that a little bit. How, how have you been able to grow and um and compare the uh, growth and your capabilities from the last five to 10 years? Well, we've, uh, in the 10 year model, we started here, or when I was started, we were 35 million. And uh, uh, so we uh, ended the year over 300 million here at the Community Foundation. Um, That's a pretty good return. It is. Uh, the market has been very, uh, uh, very good to us. Uh, you know, stocks have, uh, have helped greatly. There's been some downturns, but uh, uh, we've, it's kind of been the focus on working and serving our fund holders. You know, of that 300 million, um, our, Partner model has about 35 million of that. We manage, uh, you know, several community foundations northeast Kansas. Uh, you know, just got an email today. Another one said, "Yep, we're in. We want to join you." And so that's going to take us in the 17 model of uh, of northeast Kansas community foundations that we support. So, so let's go back a minute to something you said a minute ago that I don't know that I've ever heard. But you're the largest community foundation in the state of Kansas. We are Kansas City Community Foundations on Missouri side, so we okay. don't count them. So, but you're uh, larger in Wichita. But we're larger than Wichita, Topeka, Hutchison, Salina. Salina has been the largest for a long time, but this year we have over taking them. So well, that's pretty impressive. So you, you hit on this a little bit, but uh, talk about the model. Cause I don't know that a lot of people understand that you assist other community foundations in the region. How does something like that work? Well, if uh, coming from a small community like I have, uh, I believe everybody, every community ought to have a shingle that says a community foundation on it so that it can retain its uh, wealth, particularly aged wealth or rural wealth that it might have. Um, and by doing so, it doesn't take much, uh, you know, to, if somebody passed and, and sold some land, uh, had some assets, some, had some machinery to create some value that might create a benefit for a community. Uh, some of these smaller communities, five ten thousand $10,000 can make a big difference. Ironically, uh, uh, they are not an affiliate of ours, but my hometown of Woodbine, they just a couple of years ago just received a $2 million gift from something like that. So if you're not there and people don't know about you, you're not going to receive those gifts. And that was really the uh, the impetus of the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation getting started when uh, when somebody left a large gift to New York instead of Manhattan. And uh, the thought was, uh, we got to keep that money in town and make a difference. And so $300 million later, here we are. Okay. Explain that again. Somebody, was that an accident that they left it in New York or? Well, it wasn't an accident, but it was a, uh, it was an unfortunate situation. The individual didn't feel that they uh, connected with anything here. They didn't know about stuff oh, I here. Got you. So it wasn't a Manhattan, New York versus Manhattan. Right, it right. Was, I got you. It was a resident of Manhattan that gave money there. They knew about something. And uh, and all we got back here in the community was a postcard. And the leadership here said, we got to change that. We got to start a community foundation. So I know this is a tough question because I know you love all your grant recipients equally, like you love your kids equally. But uh, tell me one or two good stories from from some of your people that you contribute to or or that you're partners with. Probably the the, the collective organization uh, that we deal the most with would be the Kansas United Way and Shepherd's Crossing. Uh, uh, both of them have uh, branches that they serve constituents that we do too, as possibly on an individual basis. But uh, to to the point is like when when we 
put together the MHA, MHK Together program a few years back when the uh, virus hit and things were going crazy. You know, the two partners we looked to were United Way and, and Shepherd's Crossing to, to help us in that process. And uh, because of that, they were mobile. Uh, certainly agreeable, positioned well to help in that process. And so when when 502 and the Greater Manhattan Community Foundation, it was 502 Media at that time, now it's middle. Uh, when this all came to fruition, those are the two organizations we, we looked to, and uh, they were very supportive. Well, and I know as a board member of the United Way, uh, we, we appreciate the support for the Community Foundation, uh, mainly in terms of administrative assistance, because that helps us operate because we don't have enough money to hire a lot of staff. And so we have, uh, of course, uh, Tara Clausen and, and, uh, but she can rely on you all to help her. And, and I think it's important for a community our size to have a strong United way. And I'm, I know you and I have talked about this. Absolutely. It's really the entry point to philanthropy for a lot of people. And Totally agree. I mean, uh, the United Way programs are extremely important. A lot of times the question is, is well, aren't you guys competing? I said, no. You know, the, uh, the payroll deduction program that United Way offers, it's the, uh, the opportunity for a lot of small giving to take place and get in the philanthropic uh, mode. And uh, so we totally support United Way and want to make it as easy as possible for them. So $10 a check with thousands of people adds up. So, Big time. Uh, Big certainly encourage people who listen to this to participate in United Way. So we recently participated in Go Green Match Day. So talk a little bit about how that came about and what it is and how it's grown over the years. Uh, right before I started here, there were discussions about it. And um, the Salina Community Foundation had uh, had their first one and they ca- called it uh, uh, match madness in the month of March, you know, for March Madness in the basketball tournament, they made theirs match madness. And we were going to copy them at that time. And they, they asked us not to. And so, uh, Elaine at that point in time just decided to move it a month forward and, and picked Earth Day. And we just called it Grow Green Manhattan and, uh, uh, Grow Green Manhattan or Match Day. And so that all worked out pretty good. And, and we were very fortunate that, um, Phil Howe agreed to be a matching donor for us at that time. And the first year, it was a limited. He just he put up $40,000 and 50 cents on a dollar match. And we were able to raise $100,000 that day. And and so here, you know, 10 years later, we're doing $2 million, So That's pretty remarkable. I know there was there was a lot of excitement in the lobby in your in your office building. And as people came in and donated, I, I was a little surprised if I were me. And as I participate, I would do most of that online. But there are people who genuinely enjoy coming in that day to be part of that. And that's the beauty of it. The first year, it was totally online and, uh, or excuse me, totally in person. And then we started the online activity the year after. And, uh, uh, but the, when we have our match days in our smaller communities throughout Northeast Kansas, uh, I had one uh, community leader tell me once that this is the best thing that their community has ever uh, had happen because it brings people together for, uh, they may have different interests, but they have a common cause of giving. And it's such a pride point. And, uh, you know, I joke a lot of times, it's like the old barnstormings where you, community members would get together and build a barn for somebody. So I hate to put you on the spot, but do you know off the top of your head how many organizations were assisted in Go Green Match Day this year? We had 95. So the first year it was 26. And so this year it was 95. So That's pretty incredible. So congratulations. That's that's quite a success. So what are some of the challenges that we have in Manhattan and how can the Greater Community Foundation uh, help assist those challenges? 
Well, I think it's uh, it's challenges that I seem to be hearing everywhere at this point in time. You know, childcare, affordable housing, uh, you know, uh, quality of life, business growth, and those type of things. And you know how the community foundation plays a role. Well, that's I've challenged our trustees to uh, to figure that out. I mean, uh, we have to make a difference. And um, I've always been a believer, even working with the university. I used to tell alumni that if you want to you want an education, the state of Kansas will provide an education. If you want a quality education, philanthropy's got to take care of that. And uh, well, the same same thing holds true in in uh, communities. You know, if if you want the basic needs or basic support for the community citizens, uh, obviously taxes and those types of th- uh, support will take care of it. If we want to have a community of excellence, you know, that's where philanthropy has to come in, whether it be for art, childcare, uh, entrepreneurship, quality life, anything like that. Um, we need to look to our philanthropic dollars uh, and and work with those who've had the, the ability or the pleasure and the, the good fortune of doing well in business and want to give back and uh, and partner with them. And you've talked a little bit about, I've heard recently, impact investing. What what exactly is impact investing and how are you all engaging in that right now? Sure. Well, uh, obviously, we're investing money uh, uh, all the time in some way, shape or form, whatever the, the risk level that the fund holder wants. But, um, you know, most of the time right now, our investments will, to use the, the, the phrase, goes to Wall Street and, uh, you know, stocks, bonds, whatever it might be at that point in time. Well, impact investing is a model of more of instead of sending it to Wall Street, send it to Main Street. You know, what can we do with those dollars, you know, in some sort of a community investment uh, into a child care program, into entrepreneurship or uh, or some nature that actually provides residual impact in the growth of the community. The in uh, you know, If you grow the community, you grow the tax base, you grow the tax base, you grow the, the services, and then the community itself uh, benefits. And so we don't always have to have a dollar return if there's an impact return, and that's what we're looking at. At the time of recording this, we have two or three really exciting um, projects that we're working on together. And and so hopefully, as, as people are listening to this, they will know about them or will soon know about them. And so I just want to publicly thank you for being part of that, because I think it's important for economic development going forward. So along those lines, you recently became a member of our board. And uh, historically, we've been friends and we've worked together on some things, but but you but Greater Community Foundation is really starting to get more engaged with the chamber. Can you talk about why that is? Well, we we believe in supporting the community. Um, we're here to serve the community's needs in in any way, shape, or form. And the chamber has been very active in many things. Uh, uh, you know, when I helped as tri chair of the region reimagined, uh, you know, my leg of that was the quality of place, and uh, uh, which is very in tune with what we do as a community foundation. And and so. Uh, it's not necessary that I be on boards to be involved, and but it, in this case, uh, uh, when I was approached for doing that, uh, it was kind of a no-brainer. I'm happy to serve. Uh, service is something that I've kind of uh, been engaged in all my life as a child and beyond, and uh, saw my parents do it, and so it's been a natural performance. And um, you know, being a part of a board and and making decisions, sometimes tough ones, some not so tough. Uh, that's uh, that's easy and pleasurable for me. So, and of course, you talked about boards, and and I would be neglect not to ask you about your time as the district governor for Rotary. That was quite an achievement for you, but also uh, an achievement for Manhattan. You don't often get district governors come out of Manhattan. So, talk about your experience there. Well, it was good. I mean, it's always great to uh, to be able to kind of shape the thoughts of. Uh, 
fellow citizens of Kansans. Um, you know, we had 44 clubs in the District 5710, which is primarily Northeast Kansas. And and a lot of times, you know, um, people have got high goals that they want to achieve. You know, they want to change this and build that. And, you know, my focus on things is let's, let's be real. Uh, let's take reality to a point. And the beauty about Rotary is it is a service-based organization. Uh, and I always have kind of had a, had a mindset to serve locally, serve regionally, serve nationally, and serve internationally. And, and so Rotary is a, has been a good organization for me to do that uh, at the time that I've had available. So. so last question, and this is just sort of an opportunity for you to talk about the organization. Is there anything that's either unknown or maybe is a misconception about the foundation that you would like for people to know? Well, I would say a lot of times when people hear our asset numbers, they think it's money that we have to spend. And uh, uh, we serve 1,900 fund holders that basically hold those assets. And so it's not ours to make those decisions. It's those asset holders to make those decisions. And so we have a lot of grant programs. Last year, we gave away $26 million out of the organization here and and serve those purposes. But uh, those aren't our individual decisions. We work with a lot of boards and a lot of individuals to make those uh, decisions. Uh, and so that would probably be the biggest one. Yeah. So following up on that briefly, if somebody ha- thinks they have a really good project, and I know there are a lot of people that do, what's the best way to approach the uh, Greater Manhattan Community Foundation for funding opportunities? Well, it's really just to come talk to me about what their project is. I really try to have a know of what's going on in the community and what to expect. And I try to keep our our individual philanthropists and our organizational boards uh, in the know of what's out there so that they can prepare themselves. Um, we're here to kind of check the box and get projects out of the way. You know, if there's a need out there, Let's fund it. Let's get it out of the way and let's keep moving forward. And uh, um, making things happen is something that uh, I've always enjoyed. Well, that's the end of our traditional interview. As you know, because I know you have listened to the podcast before, this is where we move into the rapid fire section. I feel like you're going to be really good at this. So, <laughs> so are, you re- are you ready? 10 questions to answer as, as quickly as you can. I'm as ready as I'll ever be. So if you could only watch one movie or television show for the rest of your life, what would it be? Johnny Carson Show. That was a good one. What do you want people to remember about you? Uh, He made a difference. This is always a fun uh, question. What job did you want as a kid? To be a professional athlete. Yeah, I think most of us probably (laughs) wanted that at some point. I wanted to be a rock star, but that that didn't work either. Uh, If someone paid you to write a blog or book about anything, what would it be about? Leadership or development or or both. What was your first job? To be a coach. Okay. What was your first coaching job? Well, my first coaching job is a head baseball coach at Fort Hayes State University. But I guess if you wanted to go into little leagues, I had some little league coaching jobs too. So So your first job was coaching little league? Yep. Okay. I got it. Who inspires you the most and why? Mother and Jesus. You know, mother, because she was so supportive and always there for me. And uh, and the same goes for Jesus. He's been a great leader of me. And he's uh, he never asks questions when somebody seeks his hand in, in for help. That's a good answer. And you put mom before Jesus. That's that's probably good for your mother. Uh, What is one thing that instantly makes your day better? To laugh. So aside from necessities, what one thing could you not go a day without? Smiling. Do you prefer working remotely or in the office? I enjoy working with people. And uh, in my job, I have the pleasure of it being both places. But uh, certainly being in the office with uh, with staff has been very, very fun. So That was predictable. How do you deal with work stress? 
I don't sweat you, the small stuff. I was going to say, you don't ever have work stress. <laughs> you are always the calmest person I've ever been around. So here's my philosophy on that when I when people ask, so I know this is not a one word, but um, you know, I believe the good Lord gives us things that we can handle. And uh, uh, for us to stress out over challenges that we have in life is to not have our faith in Him and to, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, if He feels like I can handle it, uh, I'll do the best job I can and uh I won't promise anything to everybody, but uh, certainly I'll give it my best and we'll make a difference. It's good advice for everybody. What advice would you give the 19-year-old you? Uh, be patient and uh, don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> okay. As predicted, Vern, you you were great at the rapid fire. I, I, that, I, that has not surprised me at all. Vern, thanks so much for being on the Think MHK podcast. I know it took a while to get for us to get you on. But uh, it was worth it, and I appreciate everything you do for the community and for the chamber. Well, Jason, it's been great to have you on board here, too. And uh, I certainly enjoy the partnership that the chamber and the Community Foundation have, because I think together uh, uh, we can make things happen. So, Thanks for listening to this episode of Think MHK, a podcast produced by the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce. If you enjoyed the Think MHK podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and share it out on your social media channels. Feel free to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at the Manhattan Area Chamber of Commerce.